This is CliffCentral.com. To all the entrepreneurs out there, don't think inside the box. Don't think outside the box either. Don't even know where the box is. Welcome to Future CEOs. My name is Subin Boya Arnold, and this is the second session of Power Woman. Now, this wonderful woman that I have in studio with me is literally out of this world and figuratively out of this world. She believes to see the world as a bigger picture, a woman who wants to be the most improbable, improbable woman that she can ever be. She's prepared to give her life on earth for the unprecedented contribution she could make to the sum of human knowledge for a new world order. She wants to be one of the first citizens on Mars. And let's hear before all of that, during all of that, and where she sees herself in the future. Welcome to Future CEOs, Adriana Murray. Thanks so much for having me, Shlubi. Your, your enthusiasm is infectious. Uh, greatly looking forward to our chat. I'm really so happy that you're here. Now, you know what? You've been all over the place, as in media-wise. I mean, we got hold of you later on in the battle to get the best people onto our shows. But I know it's been a long journey. It's been a long road. And on Future CEOs, it's all about advocating and amplifying and advocating the sense of creating your own destiny and making the world a better place and making the future a better place for young South Africans. Tell us who you are and what your dreams and focuses are right now in your life. Well, my, let's start with the, with the biggest dream. Let's drop the bombshell. So I'm, <laughs> I'm actually hoping to leave planet Earth to continue my research career on the planet Mars. Wow. Um, and, and this journey has uh, taken me from my background in academia into the business world. So I'm sure we can elaborate on these topics. Absolutely. But uh, more importantly than ever before, I think, is that each and every one of us needs to think really carefully about each and every decision that we make because although when we're looking at the details, we may feel like each moment is a trial and a challenge and we're just trying to make ends meet and trying to get things done on a small scale, I don't think we realize how important, uh, as I've said, every decision that each one of us, 7 billion people on this planet makes in this current era that we're living in is crucially important. Now, you're here in Power Woman because... We believe that we all have something to give. And as being females in a male-dominated industry, which you are in, we really want to hear what makes you break through that glass ceiling. What are the highs and the lows that you experience being in quantum physics? What does it feel like to be the head of innovation of SAP Africa? So let's start. Where did you grow up? What kind of young girl were you and what kind of dreams did you have at a young age? So I grew up in Peter Maritzburg while well, I was born in the Eastern Cape, moved to Peter Maritzburg when I was young. Uh, had a great childhood when I, when I was uh, sort of below 12, let's say, which is when things changed so much and I became naughty, you might say. Yay! Uh, yeah, before 12, very curious child, always reading. Um, I was the eldest child, so always organizing games, whether outside or in the neighborhood or in the garden uh, with my younger brother and sister and our friends. We had roller skate gangs in the neighborhood. Uh, we built tree houses, um, played outside a lot um, and read, read a lot. So I was always curious for knowledge. I think I read most of the books in the house. Um, my parents always encouraged me to ask questions. Um, 
this is the days before Google, of course. Nowadays, of course. parents have it easy in terms of being able to find answers to, you know, the string of questions that a five-year-old will give you that are often hard to yeah. answer. Yeah. So we had to drive to the library, you know, to find books to answer some of my questions. Yeah. After that, even to the university library, even as a child, to find some specific book on some specific question I had. So I think my, my curious nature was luckily encouraged by my parents, which I'm always very, very grateful for. Um, Maybe by the time I got to a teenage, my teenage years, I was a bit too, bit too curious. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I was very happy to leave school um, and become independent. At 17, I finished my trick and moved to Cape Town. Mm. Uh, and I was so happy to have the freedom, talking about Freedom Day, <laughs> long weekend, uh, to have my freedom, leaving Maritzburg and going to Cape Town where I started studying physics. And then... What happened after varsity or during varsity? Did you know that this is exactly what you wanted to do and what you wanted to do with that career? And how no. long were you at varsity? What were you studying when you got there? No, so I applied to study jazz. And Did I, you? I, in, in spite of having done every single subject that my school offered, I that got special permission. Incredible. <laughs> so yeah? I had nine, nine matrix subjects, but music wasn't one of them. So I couldn't get into the jazz program. So then I thought, well, I've always wanted to be an astronaut. So let me take physics instead. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> So I took physics. Um, yeah, we actually had a class with half half girls, half boys. So I didn't really feel this whole woman in science, woman in physics. Mm. Do you feel marginalized? Mm. Kind of argument that goes on until until later. Um, so actually, the top three sort of students in our class were all women. So yeah. <laughs> women in physics were rocking that show, and um, it was a great experience doing theoretical physics for four years at at the University of Cape Town. And then after those four years, what did you what did you continue to do? Then I got the hell out of there and went on an overseas trip. <laughs> oh, did you? With a, a thousand rand in my pocket. Um, I went to England to go get the pound and then planned to travel further after that. So I was a cocktail bartender in London. I love the colorful <laughs> life that you've led, yeah. Then went to Brighton. So um, it, this journey of yours wasn't always, you know, consistently set in stone, knowing that this is what I want to take my next step. This is what I want to do. I don't think anybody's journeys are. I mean, the most beautiful journeys are the ones where you don't know what's around the next corner. Yeah. I really believe that uh, living in the moment, really appreciating all the people in the moments that you have will enable you to choose the next steps. If you have a predefined idea of what your next steps are going to look like, guess what? They could have been even better ones out there that you couldn't have even imagined. Love that. So you, it's very important to have sort of uh, plans for the future, but more important to keep an open mind with every uh, opportunity that comes your way. That's what I've found most importantly. When you are too rigid and stuck in what you think your path is, is when your your even better opportunities uh, pass you by. I love using the word agility. You know what I mean? Just be flexible and 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 fluid in your journey of life. So you have packed your bags, gone to England, and then what? So, uh, <laughs> not planning much further ahead of that, um, I was actually squatting in a flat. In love Brighton. it. Love not it. Not because I had no money, but because it was impossible to find accommodation. It was summer and all the students were there. So mm-hmm. I stayed in a backpackers and then I was squatting in a flat. So then I got mm-hmm. a knock on the door one day and this perfectly made up Japanese girl is standing there saying, hello, it's very dangerous for you to be here. You should rather come and stay on my couch because the inspectors are coming today. Yeah. So then we had met and and uh, she said, why don't I come to Japan with her after um, her month's lease had expired because she was only there one more month. So I said, why not? So that's how I met my Japanese friend that turned established the next year of my life, which was living in Japan. Wow. Um, in uh, one of the kind of government housing estates with her mother just outside of Fukuoka City. 
Uh, they said this is the slum, but I mean, I think coming from <laughs> Africa, Absolutely. this was a, a government uh, government housing. But yeah. uh, let's leave it at that. <laughs> and you know what? Through this journey, okay, well, how old are you at this time? Uh, 34. 30, 20, 34. 34. Uh, and then you were 24 <laughs> at that time. Um, I was 21, 22. Yeah. What was going on through um, your mind about just this journey you had taken? And did you know that you wanted to have these big dreams and be a, an innovator? Because I know we're going to talk later about being the head of innovation of SAP Africa. So did you know that, listen, I, 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 I want to do something that very few people on the planet can do, that I want to do something for humanity, that I want to do something for Africans and I want to be not even a creator of innovation, but just uh, a leader and a follower of people believing in themselves to create a new world and a better world. Yeah, I always felt that I, I had a an energy or a vision um, maybe beyond often the people that I was mixing with. So I think it's really important to surround yourself with like-minded people because, for example, at high school, I felt extremely frustrated that nobody understood, you know, that uh, the run of the mill uh, following of the rules is just really not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> so becoming uh, free and making my own decisions was really important for that, deciding who I spend time with, deciding what my what my decisions are, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do. Um, that was that was really important for me. Um and then when I finally heard about the Mars project, everything just kind of fitted, slotted into place. place because I imagined uh, what, what grand ideas I, I might have for my life. You know, becoming president wasn't that attractive. Uh, winning a Nobel Prize, well, still hoping for that. Um, <laughs> you will. You know, you, and we want to have you back on future CEO as well. Yeah. Yeah. All of these options just seemed like people had done them before, you know, and I, I truly wanted to, to, to break the mold. Um, Although this is not something you aim to do, this is just a state of mind, I think. Uh, you just want to break out from the, the the space in which you find yourself, you know. Often we go from day to day without questioning the things we see around us. Um, I, I had the problem of questioning everything I saw and so much didn't make sense. And I think that's what we're kind of struggling with here in our society is that, especially with technology as an equalizer, um, there's so much opportunity for us to change the status quo, to reduce inequality, to, you know, bring an end to the dire poverty in which so many regions live. We have the opportunity to do this with our technology, but it's it's going to take breaking some of the habits that we've established over the past few thousand years. Um, and uh, technology can give us a way to do this, but more importantly, the human mind has to kind of go from the caterpillar into the butterfly stage where we start uh, embracing what it is to be human, to question, to be curious, to dream not to accept the way that we see things now as the way that things need to be. What do you believe that you are an expert in? Because, um, gosh, let's go a little bit through your academia. So uh, post-doctoral researcher, quantum researcher group, UCT physics for medical students, doctor of philosophy, PhD in quantum biology, MSc quantum cryptography, and summa cum laude, and the BSG honors in theoretical physics, philosophy first class. How long did that take you to do? <laughs> uh, to go from first year to PhD is about 10 years usually. Yeah. Good times or best times, or what kind of time was that, does that decade? Oh, great times. Of, yeah. Tell me about that decade. Great times. I mean, in undergrad, yeah, the experience of being at on the University of Cape Town campus was wonderful. I've still got many of the close friends that I made then. Yeah. Um, just learning every day, you know, uh, that's become a way of life for me. So I don't, I've, I have slightly more money now than I had in those days. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, wearing one sock to university because <laughs> you can't 
<laughs> we, oh, and in the days when Cape Town used to rain, you know, it used to get cold. <laughs> yeah. So those student days are behind me, but I feel like that, that way of life, um, has not left me. So I, always curious, thirsty for knowledge, always reading not only novels, but textbooks, um, you know, interacting with people, just, just learning all the way through the day. Is that how you constantly keep yourself upskilled and knowledgeable about your expertise and your profession? All the things that you're interested in. How do you keep yourself motivated and inspired? Well, thank you. When when people hear that you're a, a you have a PhD in quantum physics, yeah. suddenly they think you know everything. Suddenly they're like, "Oh my God, we didn't know how to talk to her." Yeah. So, so last week I had the honor of speaking at the African Securities Exchange event in wow. Nairobi, where we had all representation from dozens of African stock and security exchanges, and now suddenly I'm an I'm an expert on that too. So no, I think the assumption that I am an expert on things makes me nervous enough yeah. to keep a, a PhD keep is a pretty good call, Adriana. In a very specific field. So I think people make the mistake of thinking you know everything when you know a lot about something. So that's the challenge from, from a research perspective and from life is not to learn a lot about one thing, but to really keep yourself uh, flexible and uh, learning a little bit about everything and everyone that you come across. So let's talk about you being the head of innovation at SAP Africa. What is that? And what do, what is innovation to you? Yeah, so all these words we hear, innovation, disruption, um, being agile, being <laughs> not agile. Mm. Uh, leapfrogging. Okay, I like to do away with all that terminology because guess what? I'm an innovator and I want to use my own words. <laughs> typical, so. typical, yeah. <laughs> Love it. So, I mean, I think uh, we should view innovations within companies not as, you know, just trying to do innovation for the sake of innovation. But what what is our purpose here? And purpose is also a word that's getting thrown around a lot. Completely. But uh, this is something we have we have to live with. And I think living with pride could be another description. When you're living with pride and you're living with purpose, you're not only thinking about yourself, but the way that you're interacting with your network. And in that in that way, um SAP's endeavor to make people's lives better is something I've really latched onto and What's taken SAP? that forward. I don't know. So SAP, one of the largest global software companies um, so our, in our African region we of course focus on customers and partners from all industries so this is business software Wonderful. Um, now we are doing our mode 2 Leonardo solutions offerings which includes IOT machine learning okay. big data analytics okay. so all of these topics fit into it but um, jargon aside yeah. for me it's really about addressing challenges in society with technology Wonderful. And increasingly being connected can really make the difference between being a subsistence farmer that's living uh, on a subsistence level or being a small farmer that's interacting with larger networks and able to react competitively to data as in where this crop can be useful, where it can be sold. Um, and uh, this is in my <laughs> fresh to business jargon. But uh, it's about connecting people, I think, and utilizing the data that can be acquired through connecting people for better insights to make things more efficient. Whether you're looking at business processes or whether you're looking at using resources. I mean, mm. now that I've mentioned agriculture, one one thing that's going to be hugely important going forward for Africa is food security, of course. So we're the fastest urbanization, urbanizing population on the planet as much as uh, so much as that we may double our population in the next 50 years. Mm. So these people are going to largely be living in cities based on current trends and how are we going to get food from the already under-resourced agricultural areas mm. into these cities with mm. our, you know, already insufficient transportation infrastructure. So there's several ways to think about this. Um, 
you know, drones come to mind, better mm. data for better optimization mm. of, of farming techniques, but also indoor smart farming is something I'm pretty excited about. So what's that? So disused uh, buildings in the center of, let's say, Hillbrow, for example, yeah. where rent is cheap, can yeah. be repurposed into indoor agricultural centers. Stunning. So now you've got a completely closed system. You don't need pesticides. You don't need soil. You actually just trickle the water over the roots, and this uses 95% less water. Wow. Uh, you add the nutrients exactly correct for every species. You mon- modulate the light f- according to what each seed correct. needs. And you get the maximum output of nutrition over the shortest period of time. Uh, and guess what? Your retail is right there. And that is groundbreaking. So these are the kinds of projects we, we're thinking about and trying to drive. There are already uh, actors in this game in South Africa and abroad. Uh, so it's about bringing people together, bringing uh, good ideas together with people on the ground who can implement them. And at the backbone of all of this is often a software system mm. that's going to be able to to manage all of the data coming and going to really optimize this whole process. When it comes to the youth and education and training, I, I mean, you have to impart all this knowledge and skills uh, knowledge to the youth so that they are the generation that actually creates this world that we dream of. So tell me about the foundation that you also aligned with. Yes, so I'm currently a director at the Foundation for Space Development. Incredible. Wow. <laughs> Where is that? Um, so the founding director is Carla Sharp, yeah. a great friend of mine, and the business manager at the Square Kilometer Array Radio Telescope. Okay. So that's a power woman uh, duo. Definitely. <laughs> We've got to have them in studio. And together we are planning to send the first African mission to the moon. So dispelling for once and for all myths about whether we've been there or not, yeah. we're not planning to send crew, but to get uh, but to get research projects put together by high schools, universities, researchers, businesses from Africa, based in Africa or originating from Africa, to yeah, send the first African mission to the moon. It's about time, you know. Looking at the other BRICS countries, we see a lot of activity in space exploration, and South Africa, never we've mind any behind, African we've country, is behind. just so, not there. Absolutely. So I think uh, power and unity. So. We're looking at it from an African perspective and look forward to bringing on um, other African country partners to get this mission to the moon by Africa, largely to inspire children that anything is possible. So the high school kids may participate, but the junior school kids are going to see an experiment that people they potentially knew or read about had created landing on the surface of the moon. And I think the, the power of inspiration can never be underestimated. I mean... There's some research showing that during the Apollo era, mm. when we first landed people on the moon, mm. the number of students enrolling in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics degrees spiked like never before. I can believe that. And then there's further research to show that this cohort of students that enrolled due to inspiration went on to develop and commercialize the mobile phone, the personal computer, and the internet. Unbelievable. All things emerging mostly in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So this is a direct correlation with the power of inspiration of seeing what you thought was impossible being achieved and then saying, well, I'm going to go forward and achieve my dreams too. And it's exactly that. I mean, uh, uh, woman, uh, Mae Jemison is the, the NASA astronaut, the black female businesswoman. I mean, she's yes. an inspiration for young black girls to go and study STEM. You know what I mean? So you are exactly that. Now, within what you were doing with the uh, technology and training and all the good stuff and sending um, Africans to the moon, what have been the lessons learned in the mistakes that you made? What mistakes have you made up until then? What, what didn't work out and how did you come back with a bang to finish what you wanted to start? So I think I've eradicated the word mistake from my vocabulary. Really? I, unless I've harmed someone else unintentionally, then that is a mistake. But in terms of what I've done with my own life, I think we've got to give ourselves a break. You know, when you look back and think, mm, I could have done that better. 
then take the lesson from that experience and say, next time I'm going to do it better. Eradicate the word, oh, I made a mistake from your vocabulary. Look forward and say, wow, that was a great lesson. You know, if your decision was really different from the one that would have been optimal, even better. You've learned a bigger lesson. You know, the further away your decision from the one you wanted to make, the bigger the lesson learned. So you sit down with yourself after making that mistake which mm. we're not going to call it anymore <laughs> no more mistakes <laughs> no more mistakes you sit down and you say wow going forward next time i will behave like this and how grateful i am for having learned that in that uh, environment that i just learned it failures? and that's the way i see mistake so okay. of course failures also tell us tell us for the entrepreneurs out there because you know it's a it's a tough long lonely road and usually as a startup wherever you are entrepreneurial career You've got to have a thick skin. We cannot take things personally and all that good stuff that we continuously talk about in future years. Tell us a story about one of your failures, major failures. And what does it mean to the Adriana that you are right now? Yeah, I mean, failures, I was pretty devastated when I didn't get a scholarship to continue studying in Japan where I was living and then had to come back to South Africa. And I came back to do my master's in quantum cryptography. Mistake, failure, you might say. No, I would say. Hell no. A new path. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I haven't uh, gone out on a limb and put all my own investments into starting a company. And I'm a very, uh, I find that a very admirable thing to do in the entrepreneurs out there. Um, but if I could compare it to my own experiences, I think... Passion will convert itself into the support networks that you need to carry on if you just keep being passionate. So I'm not saying that that directly translates into money. That's what we're hoping eventually, but it will translate into people helping you because they will feel a, a sense of appreciation for what you're doing, a sense of uh, happiness being around you. So as long as you are, you know, flying your banner high, whatever it is that your endeavor is in life and Finding that is not always easy. Finding what your, your life purpose is, um, is not always easy. And I think to describe it in a single word or phrase is probably completely unrealistic. So whatever your, your purpose is for the day, let's say, or for the week or for the year, you need to stick with it. Remind yourself why you chose to follow that particular goal. Um, be around people who remind you why you've chosen to, who who agree with you. You know, it's so important to, to, you know, put yourself in the company of people who resonate with you and just keep going. I think without fail, whoever you talk to will say that eventually, you know, the rewards have come, whether these are monetary or in partnering with someone who can finally help you financially in a business context or, or whether you, you know, finding a great customer suddenly for the service you're providing or whether you're just finding collaborators who are now working together to, to reach your goal even quicker than before. So I think just, just don't give up, you know, don't eliminate the words failure from your vocabulary. Every time you feel like you might have had a failure, Look at the lessons that were learned and wake up in the new day and still believing in your previous purpose. Maybe you've adjusted it somewhat, uh, but don't ever give up because uh, there are many cliches around that. But uh, mm. uh, if you just keep trying, you know, um, failure is not actually part of that f- equation. Which characteristics about yourself have made you come this far in your journey? Being extremely stubborn, I think. I can hear <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I maybe, maybe I get that from my grandfather, also renowned for being a rather stubborn member. Are you a family woman? <laughs> family's important. Support structure. Where do you, where's your source? Yeah, my family are my friends, and my friends are my family. I mean, these are people I've known for decades, mostly, of course. New friends are always coming. Mm. Um, but the, um, the most important group of people group of people as my friends are from high school and university so 20 mm. years and counting friends um 
so and my family, you know, my parents feel like friends at this point. My brother and sister with my niece and nephew, we get on very well. Unfortunately, none of my grandparents are around anymore, but we spent a lot of time together growing up. So, yeah, I think it's important to have this uh, fluidity between friends and family, family Absolutely. and friends, just people who see you and support you and understand where you're going. We come to the Mars One project. Open up that door for us as future CEOs. So as a, as a four-year-old, and I think these kind of early memories come back to you often later in life. Um, I was riding them one of those plastic scooters on the driveway at the, you know, playgroup after school. And then I imagined that there was this announcement on the radio saying who wanted to go on a rocket to look for new planets. Wow. And I imagined, I imagined putting my hand up. Are you serious? And that was back in, you know, the late eighties. So back in the late 80s, I had this weird vision of a radio announcement and a one-way trip into uh, space. Then, you know, during high school, I wanted to be an astronaut, etc. And there are pictures of me with a model I made of a city on Mars when I was about 14. So the Mars has been coming and going in my calling. life. For, this is your calling. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it, so it wasn't clear then that people would be going to Mars in my lifetime. I mean, since the, yeah, since the 70s, NASA, yeah. NASA has been talking about sending crew to Mars. I think yeah. we've, we've all the kind of planet. stopped holding our breath for that because yeah. they've been saying next decade for decades. Yeah. So <laughs> now we have private companies. Companies popping up. I mean, and there's a long list of them. So we've got Elon Musk, South African born Elon Musk with SpaceX, mm. established with the endeavor of putting humans on Mars. Mm. We've got Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Absolutely. richest man on the planet. Absolutely. He's got a rocket company, Blue Origin, also planning to extend uh, the space industry, possibly to Mars. Richard Branson. Richard Branson with Virgin Galactic. Absolutely. Uh, we've got so, Boeing, we've got Lucky so Martin. You're onto something very, very big. You're onto something. Bigger than you actually realize, bigger than we could imagine. The founding entrepreneur of um, Mars One Project. So he selected, can, tell us about the process that you had to go through. So you're one of 99 candidates on the planet. Yes. So okay, the, tell us more. So when I first heard about it in 2013. 2013, okay. It wasn't on the radio. It was in the newspaper. Close, old-fashioned take. <laughs> so I read it in the newspaper and... A lot of people ask, you know, how long did it take you to decide, oh, I'm going to volunteer to go to Mars? I said there was, of course, no, just no decision making process. This was an absolutely instinctive, instantaneous, every atom in my body saying, you know, a uh, bunch of swears, I'm going to Mars. Mm. <laughs> so it was a gut decision completely. Uh, you know, the, my body made the decision on my mind. Absolutely. So then I knew I was going to do everything in my power to be one of the people to leave planet Earth and go and explore a new planet for the first time. So it's been five years since then. And we are now from like 200,000 applicants down to 100. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and we're waiting for the next selection round where 20. So what are the criteria be to be part of the selection group process? Uh, there'll be another round of applications. This is a continuous process, not mm. unlike the moon landing. This is not a once-off. Mm. This is an exploration settlement, which will perpetuate into the future if it's successful. So there'll be another round of applications. So anyone out there who's thinking, I missed it. No. Entrepreneurs out there. Come on. You haven't come missed on. it. Uh, Quantum geeks out there. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be 18 and speak English. Okay. Is it? Or learn English or in, learn. The, in the duration of the of the selection process. So it's an exploration. So yes, tell so us that more about it. that opens it up to everyone. So, yeah. I mean, obviously there's going to be a variety of people who would then apply, and some would be more suitable than others. But at the at the base of it is your ability to be a team player. So you might be a brilliant surgeon or a brilliant engineer. Of course, these are the kinds of people we're going to need. Um, researcher, 
but if you're if you're a, a terrible person to work with in a team that could lead to the failure of the mission and that's the one you want to eliminate so in fact it will boil down to how personalities match together it's all about teamwork and collaborations especially on the entrepreneurial journey and trying to make a difference in the world you can't do things on your own you definitely know? um tell us more about your insights about wanting to change the world and what we think what we see as humans our future existing on another planet so put i think in, put uh, that in your own words So I think humans. Cause, sorry, just to interrupt, because I think that's the basis of what being an entrepreneur is all about. We want to create solutions and find solutions um, to alleviate our social ills. And I think you being here on the Power Woman set, you've completely, what the word, completely uh, blombasted <laughs> that to a completely different universe. Let me tell you that, because this is everything that we want and even more. So put that in your own words. So that's a great what description of an entrepreneur, I think. And I mean, I think the same, like, what is a scientist? What is an entrepreneur? You know, what is a human? And I think we can find a common definition for all of those. So people who are curious about the way that they see things around them and people who see a better future and would like to put their energies and efforts into trying to reach that better future. So I think that's what it is to be human. And I hope that whatever job we're in, we all have characteristics of that in what we do. So I'm not going to distinguish between scientists and entrepreneurs here, but rather as, you know, open-minded, curious, dreaming humans. So humans have been around for like, 200,000 years as far as we know emerging in central eastern africa yeah. so cradle of humankind there may be some people who are still living in sort of southern uh, somalia area who may have been living there the whole time but otherwise for the rest of us we are all survivors of one way trips and i think sometimes we forget just how much things have changed over the last 100 years or few hundred years you know now we've covered the globe people think exploring is like looking up on TripAdvisor, which uh, <laughs> new sites are worth seeing and going on Google Earth to see their hotel, asking friends what it's like, probably looking at pictures from somebody else's visit there. I mean, this is what exploring has boiled down to. Uh, there are very few new places to, to reach for the first time on planet Earth as a human. Mm. So for me, this is an unusual part of our history. And it's uh, then very natural that some of us are, are getting itchy feet and saying, but we're humans. We want to know what's beyond the horizon. Um, yes, there are plenty of challenges to solve here on Earth. But uh, with the perspective of having moved somewhere else, and I mean, let me make an analogy. It'll like, be reflective. Well, when you've stayed in your hometown your mm. whole life, do you really appreciate that your grandmother lives down the road? Correct. Do you really appreciate that Correct. the water you're drinking is from a fresh mountain stream? Correct. No, until you leave it and go to the big city and then appreciate what you had in, in, uh, home in retrospect. From grandma. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same for planet Earth. And I think people, a lot of people argue that the money we're going to spend is going to be wasted. Why don't we use that money on solving poverty on Earth? And I'm saying, is there really in, any indication of solving any of our problems while we stay on Earth? So I'm proposing not that we all need to move to Mars and not that moving to Mars is going to miraculously suddenly solve all of Earth's problems, but that it's going to give us a perspective shift. And for me, that's one of the main motivating factors to get there. We've heard astronauts saying how life-changing it is to look back on the Earth as a globe, as beautiful. a sphere, as yeah, a pinprick of blue. Absolutely. Um, and to understand that. And we've all seen those pictures, you know. And the experience of actually it's seeing it with your own again, eyes is apparently then, yeah. So imagine looking back at Earth as a little light in the sky. What um, sacrifices are you making to be able to do this? 
No, nothing. No, this is a complete joy. I mean, imagine my luck being born now. If I was born 20 years later or 20 years before, this would not be possible. Uh, these these private companies, these high net worth individuals are finally picking up where governments have left off. Mm. And um, we, we have to keep exploring. Uh, eventually, the sun is going to envelop Earth. I'm talking a billion years time. One billion years for people freaking out. We're like, oh my God. In a billion years, <laughs> yeah. Earth, Earth will be burned. Mm. So I don't think many of us are thinking on that long-term scale, but uh, some of us have to. <laughs> so we need to start exploring now the rest of the solar system, both to appreciate our planet and to understand how to live in environments different to the ones that we've lived in. So Earth's climate's always changing. Humans are always adapting um, to changes in environment. That's what we that's do. Why we're that's why we do best. That's Abs- why we've covered still, yeah. the planet. Absolutely. <laughs> but overpopulated. Overpopulated. Yeah. We, we won't go into the detail <laughs> on that issue. But, um, yeah, we need to get a new perspective. We need to understand how to survive in other environments, both because of climate change on Earth and because eventually we're going to have to move planets if we're planning to stick around for a billion years. You know, some people really can't get that. I, I think that life... As we know it in Johannesburg and Soweto is so rough and so brutal. The, the economic times, people are desperate. You know, people are hungry, people are poor, as we talk about. Are these, are you trying to find by, by doing this Mars One project, are you trying to find those exact solutions for planet Earth and Africa? Well, I think what we'll have on Mars will be a, a really a fresh start. So humans who've moved around on planet Earth have usually found other people living there and had to interact. Uh, we won't go into details and uh, we're not calling Mars a colony for those reasons. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a settlement. It's a settlement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so, good. So those have been all the issues of the past. Um, but what we'll have on Mars is a really unique opportunity. Like there, there are definitely no people living there unless they're underground and they've never come up for air. Um, so what we'll have is an opportunity to really rethink what a, what a society is, what an ethical society is, a moral society. What kind of what kind of technology we can use to really ensure that each of our humans on planet Mars is treated equally, um, is given equal opportunities. Um, I, I don't think children on Mars is going to be a reality during my lifetime, yeah. but eventually it will be. And what kind of future will be waiting for these children as part of the solar system? And I mean, this is just sort of mind blowing, but we've gone through these stages as humans several times from villages integrated into bigger villages, from, you know, villages uh, integrating into cities, from the creating of nations. You know, these are all re- reasonably recent developments in, in society. And uh, what we're going to do is nothing more than continuing with that expansion and with yeah, with a new world comes new ideas and potentially also solutions and a sense of gratitude, I think, for Earth. One-way ticket, Adriana. Not coming back. They want to come back? Uh, well, if people do want to come back, I think it's important that we build that way back for them because we don't want people on Mars who desperately don't want to be there. Mm. Uh, but for you? You need people there on the ground to build the technology. I think um, having spent 10 years studying, 10 years training – then I'll have, you know, what, 40 years left of my life, and I think I would spend them investing in creating a new world on planet Mars. We'll, of course, be in touch with Earth. We'll be on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, I that. Uh, email, uh, <laughs> whatever kind of communication we have on Earth, we'll have on Mars with a 10-minute delay, unfortunately, because even light takes 10 minutes to travel between Earth and Mars. But uh, we will be in touch with friends and family here on Earth and the general public as to what we're getting up to. Who are your mentors in this space? Who do you look up to? Who do you aspire to? Who inspires you? 
So I think every single person that you meet should have some source of inspiration for you. I don't, I don't believe in putting people on pedestals like this person can do no wrong. Yeah. You know, people are people and they do, do amazingly beautiful things and also disturbingly horrendous things. Mm. So I think what is really important is to try to take the best from every person. Um, of course, Elon Musk is going to be hugely, uh, influential, uh, influential in, in getting this off the ground. I Absolutely. hope, I hope you've watched and if you haven't, please Google the Falcon Heavy launch. Yeah. So so oh, we saw that. I saw lo- that. He launched I, his Tesla into yeah, space. I know. Um, and that was incredible. That's the rocket that could potentially take the Mars One candidate. South African Mars. born and bred. Can you believe it? So he, he's someone who's kicked the box to the side <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Um, forget thinking out the box. As you said, yeah. uh, you know, redraw your own boundaries at the infinite horizon. And that's what he's doing in so many industries. So. Um, for someone who does just doesn't take no for an answer and someone who's probably also quite stubborn, I think, yes. <laughs> uh, books, he's, bo- he, he's an admirable person. Definitely. Books you like to read. What kind of books should we be reading? What, what, what books have you enjoyed? Um, so I read these like a kind of a heavy reading. I'm reading Homo Deus at the moment. Homo Deus. Then yeah. I'm reading several books in between because it's quite, quite <laughs> is heavy. It, is it intense? Quite it's, heavy going. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love uh, I love reading science fiction stuff. So I was a, a fan of Blade Runner, the book. So do do androids dream of electric sheep? So a massive fan of the new movie. It actually surpassed my expectations about the themes um, and the plot that was in there. So great, great new Blade Runner movie. Enjoyed that based on the book. Um, yeah, no. And then I like the kind of really dark crime thriller novels Stunning. to take my mind off. Stunning. <laughs> Best advice you've ever received. Ah, well, that's a nice one. Um, talking to the ladies out there. So on the first day of school, my mom told me before I went to school, uh, I remember, I think it was either at home or in the car on the way there. She said, don't ever let any teacher ever tell you that you can't do anything because you're a girl. I was like, why is she telling me this? Oh, so unnecessary. I'm all worried about my uniform and my books. So I get to school and lo and behold, on the first day of school, the teacher said, can all the strong boys please come and help move the desks? So I said, this is it. She told me this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I stood up and moved those desks with the best of them <laughs> and showed, of course, at age at age five, I was five when I started school, I was six or whatever. I, of course, girls at that age are as strong as the boys, if not stronger. Come on, teacher. So I think this is an important lesson, you know. Um, yes, we are underrepresented as women in fields like physics, in the technology sphere, even in whiskey. I mean, I met a lady the other day who said she also objects to being called a woman in whiskey. <laughs> So you just can't win as you a woman nowadays. You just can't win, can't, can but you? we will try at all costs. But I think that's partially something you have to take responsibility for uh, and yourself. You, and that should don't fire. Allow you, exactly. that should don't allow fire. people to see you as a woman in anything. Absolutely. Uh, should you're, fire. you're a scientist. You're a whiskey, Absolutely. <laughs> whiskey person. <laughs> a sommelier. You're a researcher. You're a technologist. And don't let people call you a woman in that because you're not. You're more than that. You're a human in that. And you're an expert. And uh, you are a powerful leader in that field. And believe it. And others will too. I love this woman. I love this woman. Okay, two last questions before we round up. Mm, my favorite one. You're 34, 35 now. If you had to talk to the 21-year-old Adriana, what would you say to her about her journey? 
I'd put, a, I'd put a GoPro on her head because I'm oh. crazy. Yes. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. What and I survived, so I'd say don't do anything differently. I might have had a different outcome. I love You're so unique. You're such a force of nature. Hence, Get on that one-way trip, whether it's to England or Japan or wherever you're going. I mean, you can you can think about the rest later. We're all survivors of the one-way trip. And don't worry about how much money you've got in your pocket. You'll make a plan. <laughs> We adore you and future CEOs. <laughs> oh, you can, uh, you, you have to have like a one-on-one conversation with us when you're on the red planet, huh? Sure. And, and if not, then let's, let's keep in touch let's, with the moon project because we're uh, going to send Africa's uh, science and technology and research to the moon. So how, for people who really want to find out more about that, where can we find that foundation? Um, it's the Foundation for Space Development. Yes. Um, uh, our website is currently under um, a revamp, okay. a rebranding. Okay. So How can we get a hold of you If then? you just Google Africa to Moon. Africa to Moon. With a two, number two, then that project will come up. To all aspiring female. I'm, I'm on Twitter, so I'll, I'll update that. It's at Adriana Marais. To all the female entrepreneurs out there who just want to break those barriers and dream beyond their wildest dreams, give us some inspiration, please. I think whether or not going to Mars is the kind of thing you imagine for your life and hopefully not everybody imagines that for their life because otherwise the competition is going to get a bit too strong. (laughs) Whatever your vision for the future is, we need it. We need it. Whatever, you know, just little seeds of of a dream that exists in your mind, plant those, water them, um, because your unique contribution is something only you can identify and something only you can believe in and something only you will fight for. And just believe that with these 7 billion people living on earth, it may feel crowded, but each and every one of our contributions is necessary to create a future of which we are proud. So be proudly human, live, live with pride, recognize your network and what you owe to all of those around you, both plants, animals, and people, and be proudly human. And don't let anyone tell you that your dream is impossible to reach. Prove them wrong and reach it. Wow, our power woman on future CEOs. Adriana Marais, once again, a woman who sees the bigger picture, a woman who wants to be the most improbable human being she can ever be. She's prepared to give her life on earth for the unprecedented contribution, I love this, to the sum of human knowledge for a new world order. She wants to be one of the first citizens on Mars and future CEOs, girl, Go for it and make us proud. Thank you so much. That's coming from me, future CEOs, on Cliff Central, Subi Moya Arnold. Bye for now. Thanks, Lou. This is CliffCentral.com.